This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hi, my name is Selena. I'm a Headstuff supporter, and the reason I like listening to the show is that Stephanie covers and makes sense of everyday relevant topics and current events. Her analogies on things are brilliant. You are now listening to Basically with Stephanie Preisner. Hello and welcome to Basically. I'm just going to get into this really quickly. I'm Stephanie and this man needs no introduction. Tell them who you are. I can't remember. <laughs> Luke O'Neill. You haven't Thank heard you from very him. Much. You hoped you'd never hear from That's him right. again. You'd never hear from me again. But, but here still, he is. I, was having, I haven't gone away, you know. It's probably the best way to phrase Well, it. neither has the fucking virus. No, exactly. The, you know, the today actually is interesting, isn't it, with this October 22nd thing looming and I have a lot of people asking me and go on the media and give I don't know what's going to go on you know I mean are you a, surprised by how the virus is behaving um not really no I mean it's a very infectious virus delta you know we know it spreads a lot I suppose the key thing is remember hospitals aren't being overwhelmed so the case number isn't that important actually really you know and the ICU there are people going in obviously in the slight increase if we didn't have the vaccine by the way Delta would have ripped through the country and it'd be horrendous. They, they would have overwhelmed the healthcare system. So but the vaccines think, are doing their job is, is the kind of bottom line. But are they are they not doing their job as efficaciously as they had been in the summer? Like, are, are, is immunity waning? Yeah, well, there's, it's more transmissible Delta and it's twice as dangerous as a virus, really, you know, we think. Because the dose is higher going into your body. Right. So people get sicker if they get Delta. And that means it's a bit stronger. And the vaccine, remember, is against the old-fashioned one. So there's a bit of breakthrough happening for definite. And then some people are getting a few symptoms, and that might be what's going on. But the majority of people in hospital are unvaccinated, remember. And the ICU, it's mainly unvaccinated people. So the big message remains, get the vaccine. Because and I saw a thing yesterday, if you're unvaccinated, you have something like a 30-fold risk of severe disease. Whereas if you're vaccinated, it might be a 1.5-fold. In other words, it isn't completely protective. But the message is, get the vaccine. And the big worry in the hospitals is the ICU beds are being occupied by unvaccinated people. So if flu season happens, we're going to be goosed. Well, if those people had been vaccinated, they wouldn't be occupying an ICU bed and and it could be used for someone else. But like, I just don't think that anyone who isn't vaccinated at this point is going to get vaccinated, particularly if they open up and you don't need to be vaccinated. Like, I do think the only way to get people vaccinated at this point is to revoke the privileges mm. that vaccinated people have. That may be coming and the Italians are doing that for instance. Oh really? Countries are changing on this now. Some are getting much more punchy in New York for No instance. job, no jab. No job, that kind of thing. Yeah. In New York they're firing healthcare workers around vaccinated. But because at this point it's like okay it was fair enough last year when we were like oh is this safe? It's definitely safe yep. now. All of the studies have been yep. there. It's been going for a year. Yep. Everyone's grand for the most part. Exactly. Yeah. You now have no oh I just want to see how it plays out. You've no, seen how know. it plays out. Yeah and especially pregnant women interestingly so I met a GP one of my friends a GP she was telling me there were eight deliveries in James's women who were COVID positive and they had to be sedated during the delivery they were kept under for about a week and then they woke up and saw their babies. And it's amazing. So pregnant women should get vaccinated because if you get the infection, it can be very severe. And, and also, you end up in the ICU. So those women are in the ICU now. They're, they're, they're given birth. You know? I think what people don't realise is that now that now that so many people are vaccinated, as an unvaccinated person, we as vaccinated people are basically driving the infection towards you. Yeah. So you have a much higher chance as a pregnant unvaccinated person of getting the virus than you did as a pregnant unvaccinated person back yep. when there was more unvaccinated people, yep. right? Yep. Well, as Mary Horgan said this morning as well, I think she said this is the uh, Royal she? College, she's the Royal College of Physicians. Right. 
the president, very eminent person, she, and she's infectious disease person is her specialty. She says, you have a choice now, get vaccinated or get infected. Yeah. That's the choice. And that's Which choice do you want? If you get infected, you could be really sick. You can could, you could end up in the ICU and that's occupying your bed. You could have long COVID and, and a big study this week on that, by the way, came out. How's that going? Which I'll give you an update. And it's disturbing because it was 230,000 people were followed. Half of them had symptoms six months out. Now, the kinds of symptoms I'm talking about are uh, trouble breathing if you take exercise, evidence of lung scarring, which is a really serious thing, and then many mental health issues. Anxiety, depression was higher in that post-infection. Yeah, now, because if you have those other things, your quality of life is so depleted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so we know long COVID is real. So it's not about just about death. It's about persistent symptoms that could really trouble you for months to come. So again, now, again, you know, half of them had one symptom, say. Now, some of them are psychological things, so they might have been depressed anyway. It didn't yes, have to okay. be the virus that caused it. But a good few had physical problems. So, yeah. and in fact, the commonest one was that breathlessness going upstairs among the half who had symptoms, you see. So, yeah. so and, and the vaccine will stop long COVID, remember, because if you, even if you get infected post-vaccine, a lot less severe disease. The immune system handles the virus because it's been trained and, and it's less likely to turn into long COVID. So it's another reason to get the vaccine. I've seen this discussion now about... Um, did they make the vaccine intentionally not strong enough in order to get it passed quicker um, by the FDA or like get it approved quicker? And is should they have made it a bit stronger? I haven't come across that one, I must say. But um, there are okay. all, there's those kinds of conspiracy theories about drug companies being clever, isn't there? You know? Well, I think it was more I, the I Janssen. So. No, but like, I wouldn't think so, no. I mean, you, if you're a drug company and you're making a vaccine, you want it to work. Do okay. you know what I mean? That's your job is to make a safe and efficacious vaccine. So I wouldn't think so. So, um, um, but, but there is definitely legitimate talk around Pfizer being the go-to booster yeah. for anyone yeah. who got anything, really. That's right. I and mean, we would have predicted that because if you're an immunologist like myself, it's called heterologous protection. So you, you, you change the vaccine for the second dose and, and it always works better. We know that through many vaccines. The reason is, strangely, you give the first shot and then you kind of desensitise to it a little bit, you know. And you get the second shot and it works, but you're slightly less reactive to it because your body is kind of, you know, turned itself off. Already, yeah. If you give a different vaccine, there's no desensitization and bang, you get a big response. And then massively importantly, uh, the Israelis are always ahead of the game on this. The third shot is a massive booster of the immune system. It's, they've never seen, with the RNA vaccines now, the Pfizer, they've never seen such an immune response. Would that mean that like, three and you're done? Or Absolutely. will it have to go four, five, six? Well, literally two days ago, one of the chief immunologists in Israel is a mate of mine. I know them all. As you know, Aaron Siegel is his name. And he sends me information from his studies and he's, he's kind of the chief uh, immunologist, if you like, in Israel. He said they're predicting three years protection after the third shot. Oh, wow. That would really so change great. things, yeah. wouldn't it? Now, now, of course, it's predicted because we don't know. But the strength of the response was such that with other vaccines, when you see a, a response as strong as that, it can give you years of protection. The best vaccine ever discovered is for yellow fever, for instance. That gives lifelong protection. One shot, 30, 40 years protection. Amazing. Do you want to hear so, something very funny? Yeah. I had to do blood tests the other day and doctor rang me up and was like, you don't have any rubella immunity. And I was like, excuse me? And I was like, was my mother the original anti-vaxxer? I was like, no, I've had MMR as a baby. I've had an MMR yeah. booster. And they were like, yeah, you don't have any antibodies. Um, So, and they did like surface antigen and something yeah, else. Interesting. So they were like, we're going to give you a booster. Yeah. And then if you don't respond to that, you're one of these people who doesn't develop immunity. So yeah. I had to get an MMR. And it was really funny, right? Because listeners will know that I 
disclosed my autism um, a few weeks ago but um, I so I went in to get my booster and she was like now this is what I say to all the mammies this is the booster this is the date it won't give you autism <laughs> I was like oh too late <laughs> you didn't expect that I to be said but do some people just not develop immunity that's right yeah but if you see it's a complicated thing it's not as if well, I always get to me about this question people think it's all very binary you know you're protected or you're not yeah but won't our understanding is people are different You've okay. got a different set of genes to me, even to your sibling. If you're identical to him, you'd be identical to them. You know, right, okay. we're all very different, including in our immune system. So there's a chance when you got that vaccine, it didn't really work on you for whatever reason. And it then could I have been the, the day the vaccine. It could have been the state your immune system was in, or whatever was in the vaccine. You've got a genetic difference that stops your. Resp- each, each vaccine's different. It's got different components. Would that mean that if I encountered rubella, that I would be grand against it? Uh, it depends. Yeah, it depends. I mean, if you, if you didn't respond to the antigen in the vaccine, that wouldn't matter because the actual infection has loads of antigens and you respond to one of them. You right, know, okay. kind of thing. So but it's, it's a complicated question to try and answer. But it's strange, isn't it? Yes, he didn't have any yeah. evidence that you've been vaccinated with the MMR vaccine. There you have it. But it did, it did strike me as something because remember, I remember you saying in one of the early podcasts that there was no point really getting tested for COVID antibodies if you thought that you had COVID early on in the pandemic because antibodies... D- they go down they go they, down anyway they go down anyway but yeah. like I haven't had an MMR booster yeah. for 20 years so they measured, they measured antibodies was it just antibodies and antigen and antigen which is the actual virus though remember that that, yeah. that's, that that wouldn't be expected to be in your body anyway because you, unless you were infected of course then you'd pick it up you know? but yeah so they said that there's one surface antigen and one antibody and basically the antigen tests for if I've recently been infected yeah that's it. right exactly but yeah, I've yeah, no antibodies yeah, yeah okay right so you haven't been recently infected and you've no antibodies anyway yeah but it's yeah it's unusual some antibodies do persist for longer again it depends on the vaccine Okay. you can get lower levels of antibody but by and large you don't want your body making antibodies to every infection you've had for, for life because it's a huge effort Yeah. what you have instead of the cells that make the antibodies the B cells and they go and hide in your bone marrow and then they come out when you get infected and they just turn over in a very slow way they're fantastic cells these they're called memory B cells and th- we have loads of them in our, like, your bone marrow now is full of B cells that will recognise any infection you've ever had hopefully right. or any vaccine you've had and there's billions of them and then when you get infected they wake up again amazing and they're, they're in your bone marrow little zombies almost just, just resting and turning over very slowly you know that's so amazing that's well, an incredible part of the immune system the memory response the way the virus is at the moment in the community would you would you go to a nightclub on the 22nd of October I certainly would as a fully vaccinated person and I'd show my cert and I'd in, I, in I go no, no hesitation and would you like that there was only vaccinated people around you exactly yes I okay. think that's the sensible thing because at the moment there's so much virus in our community. There are people who are infected, uh, vaccinated or not, as the case may be. So, so we know there's loads of virus out there. So, so the best way to protect ourselves is, is by being in a place with a crowd. If they're all vaccinated, that decreases my risk of getting infected and decreases the risk of me giving someone the virus as well, remember. Would, so, you, would you be satisfied if everyone was vaccinated and the unvaccinated people had done an antigen test? I would, actually, yeah. I, I think antigen test or uh, evidence of being infected. Because that, that's like months. a natural thing anyway. You know, any one of those would suffice to show. But you that don't that think they should just open the doors and I don't think not in this not at the moment. Be, at because the moment. there's so much virus out there, you see. The sensible thing to do is open the doors yeah. and have, have the vaccine or the evidence of infection or the antigen test as, as a, I mean what disappoints me, Stephanie, there's no antigen testing going on anyway. Yeah. Much. That's a great weapon. And if you look at countries who have a much lower rate of infection to us, Italy is a good example. Their numbers are going down. They're now in reverse. Yeah. Antigen testing is widely used there, you see. So we know it's a great weapon to you. Now remember, it's not perfect. 
you know the old Swiss cheese model it's another slice of cheese in the mix yeah if you if you're positive with a test go home that's all that's the only thing you need to worry about that in other words go home stay if you're home. positive we know now from lots of data and as we were just discussing earlier we've learned an awful lot about what's going on remember we now know if you're positive with an antigen test it means you're highly infectious it really picks up the infectious people yeah so th- if they stay home you don't need to be an epidemiologist. It stops the virus spreading, you know. So, and, and there's nightclubs in Germany. There's a booth outside. You go in, and you can be unvaccinated if you're if you're if you're if you're positive. You're home. That's Do you have any it. sense of why why they're not using it? Like it's an unrelenting mystery to me, and I've been banging on about it for months. I around. know, and Pat Kenny as well. Oh, as me always. and Pat, we're like broken. We were like we stopped talking about it in the end because we got we got bored ourselves. Like we were saying a month ago, lots of people. That wasn't just us. Uh, there was the, the the report from our chief scientific advisor. Saying what? Uh, the Ferguson report uh, saying deploy them. It's gathering dust on the minister's shelf, I bet you. Whatever. Now, they're doing a bit of it. There's pilot testing and there is some of it going on. But what I would advocate for is every house in the country or whoever or get every set of access to 10 tests. I've done loads of them. I got, when I was in London, the NHS were just giving them out oh. on the street. Oh. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I think I have a tickly cough. And yeah. then I'll just yeah. do one. You'll just like, do no, one. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and that's what we should be doing. But for some reason, it's beyond us. I don't know why. Because it's such a good weapon to use against this virus. Now, if the case numbers keep climbing, and they will in the winter because it's a respiratory virus. Very mm-hmm. hard to stop. Uh, surely we'll bring them in. You know, I mean, I, I, that, that would increase the urgency of using them. Just the idea of getting rid of masks next week and opening up the whole place is a bit like, I know that I think that'll be, you know, we'll yeah. be having this meaningful Christmas discussion again where we have to it's have everything unnerving shut. now to think we're going to take our masks off. I, I wear my mask all the time. I also find that on in, the in days where settings. it's a bit cold. It's yeah, like, it's oh, nice. It's kind of nice. It's because of a comfort blanket. <laughs> I didn't really like it in the summer, to be honest. No, it was very uncomfortable, wasn't it? Yeah, but I, 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 I got used to it. I mean, yeah, I quite like wearing them. Although I'm worrying mine's getting a bit old. I need to get new ones. Yeah, they're getting a bit ragged. I just use the medical stage. ones now. Yeah, and I use those more and more as well. Yeah, no, and I do feel a sense of safety with them myself. I must say, and I feel it's the right, it's the right thing to be doing. Definitely, basically, you know. Taking a break from the episode to bring you an ad because this podcast is only possible because of our sponsor. Supporting our sponsor supports the podcast. And let me tell you about who they are. Rockwell's financial planning service is designed for anyone who feels as if they kind of need to just put a shape on their finances. I don't know if you're like me, you kind of feel like, oh, my finances are all over the place. I need to kind of start adulting. This is the service for you. Whether you're like a senior executive in a multinational company or a small business owner or just a young couple looking to get a head start in your financial planning, a single person who wants to make plans for their future, So they consider themselves financial doers rather than financial planners, which I really like because it's active. It's not just like um, namby-pamby sort of making a plan. doesn't matter where you are in the country. They're happy to help you in person or over Zoom. Pensions and investments are really important, but they're absolutely useless without knowing why you're using them and what you're using them for. They are in the outcomes business. They are in the business of results. So it's not just about the plan, it's about the action. So they use this like award-winning investment advice to help their clients achieve their goals. And they have a special offer for you listening right now, for Basically listeners. If you go to rockwellfinancial.ie forward slash basically, you can book a complimentary financial planning session today. You'll get a cash flow model which outlines any gaps in your finances and they'll give you the first steps to achieving your specific goals. I highly recommend Rockwell and I think as a Basically listener, you should definitely check it out. It's free. It's going to put you on the right path to getting your finances in order. That's it. Go to rockwellfinancial.ie forward slash basically. 
Hey, if you're listening to this, you've probably noticed that this episode wasn't introduced by me. It was introduced by someone who very, very kindly supports my podcast by being a Headstuff Podcast Network member. Headstuff Plus member. Look, I don't know what it's called. Either way, they're legends. If you are one of those people and you want to introduce an episode of my show, just go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash basically. Just taking a break from this episode to let you know about another podcast on our network that I think you're going to love. It's a new podcast called Agony Rants and it's with Garode Farley and Niamh Kavanagh. Remember, she won the Eurovision for Ireland. Anyway, it's a great podcast. They just answer your questions and react to your stories on a certain topic. And the first episode is out now. So have a listen, get a sense of what it is. And then maybe you could send in a topic or a question and be part of the show. Agony Rants, coming soon to the Headstuff Podcasts Network. Why can't I not say podcast? Hello, I'm Gerard Farrelly. And I'm Neve Kavanagh. And we have been friends for a very long time. And that is what we are offering you on our new podcast, Agony Rants. If you need a support group and want to tell us a secret. Or if you need someone to champion you or just cheer you up. Or maybe even some advice. On how to burn down a house or blow up your life or get revenge. So send your secrets, stories and problems to agonyrants at gmail.com. Agony Rants, coming soon to the Headstuff Podcast Network. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. It sounds a little suggestive, I'm not going to lie. Like. Yeah, it was a little bit. It's very Cadbury's Caramel Bunny. <laughs> what else do we need to know about the virus that you and your scientific friends are like texting about? Well, the I imagine num- you all in a WhatsApp group. Well, you wouldn't believe it. I'm driven demented that it's, it's good and bad because obviously you can, you can get sick of it as well like anybody else. But having said that, uh, the science never stops on this one, obviously, you know, and, and this week, the, the long COVID study was a really important one as I see it. Uh, the second big issue is boosters, as you know, no doubt now over 60s, yeah. no doubt. And, and there's great data from Singapore supporting that from Israel and the US are starting their campaign. And I've no doubt they're going to do it because I heard, I heard Simon Harris say this yesterday in the Doyle. They're probably going to look at the over 60s. Everybody over 60 gets a booster. And remember, that will give those people such comfort and confidence because it'll be a massive immune response. Now, the, the level of waning is about 20%. Mm-hmm. Now, what, now, now, that doesn't sound like a lot necessarily, but that means one in five people could die who wouldn't have died before. Yes. You know what I mean? So in other words, we've got to get it back up a bit now, back up to 90, 95%. And then a lot less people will get sick and die. So so the waning is significant enough to justify the booster campaign in that age group. Now, whether we go under 60 is the next question. Is that ethical question about globally yeah. still a thing? Exactly. Now, and, and, biscuit, and it's, moving, it's moving on in that yesterday, again, I saw a report from the US saying probably the over 40s. There's evidence of waning now in the over 40s. So it could go down a bit younger, basically. Now, when you see more data on that and figure out if that's correct. Because science needs to check things and keep reproducing things. But, so, but the initial hint I saw yesterday was over 40s, there's a bit of waning. Now, the waning might be 10% in that age group. So, But I meant the ethical question about whether it's better to vaccinate the over 40s yeah. or give vaccinations yeah. to countries where no one is vaccinated. Yeah, so what you're weighing up there is the risk to the over 40s of getting really sick and okay, dying because right, of waning. Okay versus the harm you're doing by not giving the vaccine to really vulnerable people in developing countries. It's very hard to square those off. I think the only answer to that is to do it in parallel. And is AstraZeneca still a thing? Absolutely, that's still a good vaccine, even though we've had issues with it, as you know. It's still a very good vaccine. I mean, but I mean, are all vaccines now still, or are they saying like, okay, look, we're just going to all fund this Pfizer one and make that the global 
have, I haven't heard anything specific on that. I know there's lots of AstraZeneca vaccine supply. It's going to lots of countries. It's a very, if, if all we have was AstraZeneca, we'd be happy, by the way, because it's yeah. a really good Now, the fact of the matter is, you've got Pfizer and Moderna, which are better. But by about 10, 15, 20% better, that kind of number. You know? So most of those over 60s got AstraZeneca, or 60-year-olds got yeah. AstraZeneca. Yep. They can get a Pfizer booster. They can. That's all they're getting. They're not going to boost with anything else, you see. And so. what's happening with um, people who got like Sinopharm, those Chinese ones? Yep. Are they okay? They're Have going for Pfizer as well, in fact. And a lot of emails I would have got would be from people in places like Dubai who'd been yeah. given Sinopharm and their teachers and they want to shut. Is it safe to switch vaccines? Yes, absolutely. The heterologous thing, you know, go for Pfizer. They've come back to Ireland and they're going and they're going and they're getting Pfizer, you see. So that's the way to do it. And will you? Will they be getting a Europe? Will they be able to get a European COVID cert with that? They will with Pfizer. I don't think I don't think Sinopharm is recognised. But if you got two Sinopharm and a Pfizer, you'd need to f- complete the Pfizer course. So you'd need another Pfizer. You need, you need a double shot, yeah, to, to get the cert. So, and that's feasible, you know, four yeah. week gap. So that's fine. But that's the advice. It's a shame for them in a way because Sinopharm does have an effect. Yeah, it's it's not a bad vaccine actually, Sinopharm. You know, and yet now it's been discounted and go, oh no, go back to square one and go for this other one. It's, it's a gas for talking all these different types of vaccines. Yeah, it's amazing, really. yeah, because I was like looking up my. MMR vaccine and it was mm. funny like I didn't know the name of it where it was produced anything about it Can I clarify something so you didn't get autism because of the MMR vaccine no. so not fantastic. you're the evidence we're looking Here for the evidence. You have it. You're, the, you're the evidence that people shouldn't worry about that vaccine um, <laughs> I had autism long before Yeah, yeah it's interesting long before yeah. the original um, but come here the there's still some talk about this Wuhan yeah. where did it come from Yep and they've put together a crack team now. It's getting like a movie, isn't it? Yeah. Crack team investigators are going to go in and just try to sort this out once and for all. You What's see. your feeling on it? I think the jury's still out. So we know it came from a bat, for definite. Right. In fact, they found an even closer relative now in bats. It's 99% identical to SARS-CoV-2. So that's the closest relative. Uh, there's still the 1% missing. We'd like to know what happened there. It could have gone into a pangolin, mutated, and now it's different to the one that came from the bat that's the idea you know or it could have changed in the bat you know yeah um so the bat is the origin and was it in the wild or was it a, a lab spill it's not going to be like dr no in the james bond movie engineering a virus that's not the case no we're pretty sure of that uh so it is a natural virus you know and have we found patient zero those five like are no. they gone missing that's the other question i presume that see these investigators what are they going to do they've been in already the who they've gone to the lab it's all scrubbed yeah. beyond recognition uh, I believe they're getting access to medical records that are more elaborate so they'll be looking exactly for patient zero they'll try to track that back I think at the moment patient zero was in December in Wuhan some guy working in that seafood mm-hmm. market you know, but they don't think he was patient zero so the, yeah, patient zero might be September 2018 who knows it'll be very interesting to see what happens there they'll be looking closely at the symptomology of people who turned up in hospital with pneumonias that look a bit like this you see because it's not, obviously it was initially based on strange symptoms Yeah. people ask me how, how do they spot it first right people began turning up in hospitals in Wuhan with a funny looking pneumonia that didn't look like other pneumonias and the doctors were very good at diagnosing and spotting what's going on here this doesn't look like flu or as in it doesn't whatever. look on an x-ray like the lungs all, look different well, all, the, all the metrics well there was, there was com- this commonality with other respiratory diseases that was it SARS that was an obvious one it wasn't SARS they couldn't detect SARS in the people and then you and someone said and we don't know who this person is because they're either very modest or they haven't been disclosed could this be a brand new virus and can you imagine then in January I think it was January the 6th when they discovered the virus mm-hmm. from a lung sample from a patient who died and they said this is a new this is a coronavirus wow 
And then their suspicion was of a SARS because that has spikes as well. They get the virus out, they sequence it and it's a different virus. So that moment was staggering in a way, scientifically. So someone's in the lab going, oh shit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they said, this, 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 this isn't SARS. This is a new coronavirus, never seen before, you know. And this person's died of severe respiratory distress being caused by this virus. And the person who died was a healthy person in their 40s, I think. So that the alarm bell immediately went up, can you imagine? Now then what happened next is interesting. They released that sequence of the RNA. Mm-hmm. And it got around the world very quickly, mid-January time. And then 350 labs began to try to make vaccines immediately using that sequence of the RNA and, and eventually we know Moderna and um, Pfizer and so on. But 350 labs began, including the Oxford group, began synthesizing. You can make the RNA in a test tube, you can synthesize it. So it was a massive race then to, to make the RNA and then with the view to get the Chinese themselves began trying to make the vaccine quickly as well. So that history is a... So sort of trying to like out... Like to to it was a race against the spread of the virus. Yeah. See, can we get this vaccine done before yeah. it becomes a pandemic? Well, if you look at the history of it, and my book is coming out, as you know, and we're going to talk about that in twenty Um So I think the second window, the dates I can't remember exactly. But I got to do my homework before I do it. They're in the book. I think the second week in January, they shut down Hubei province. A million people are put into quarantine in, in China. Yes, I remember it, it was now Chinese that, New Year coming up. That's and right, a million people. Locked into their houses, and that's staggering. That's the second week in January. Now, I kind of saw that and think, oh, that's nothing to worry about. <laughs> it's <was> stupid. <laughs> See, we didn't know at the time whether it be human human transmission. Now, clearly, because initially it was, it, was, it was animal to human, which makes yeah. it more difficult to spread. By that stage, it's going human to human now. So, therefore, everybody stay home. You know, a strict lockdown. And, and that, that was that the storm begins to build from that, from that second week in January, then it just grows and grows into a cacophony, as you know. And, it's, and look what happened next time. And then I think, I think by the end of January, most of China is locked down. And all the airlines have cancelled their flights in and out of China. All these little signs that oh, yeah. there's stuff going on, you know. So it begins to, it becomes, you know. A real problem. And I mean, then some school goes on a school tour to well, Northern Italy. And the, ski, and, and the South County Dublin skiers come back from Italy <laughs> And as well, here we are. Including my friends, sadly. But, uh, but no, it's funny, isn't it? I think, and, and what gets me, uh, in, in that part of the book, I, I write about, uh, I was on a flight somewhere back from a conference in the last week, in last day of January, and the movie I watched was called The Gathering Storm. Oh, God. How and ominous. Thinking, that's it. This is a storm that's gathering now. And, and fear, you know. And now, I mean, I was watching the science closely. I wasn't frightened at that stage, but um, I'm going, God, this is this is looking really bad, you know. I flew to America at the end of February, and then to London. And at that point, people were like wiping down their tables and their yeah. seats and wearing masks. Yeah. So I was like, these yeah. people are crazy. crazy. Yeah, we are, we're all in denial. Remember, we yeah. don't like it, do we? When we see people wearing a mask, what are you doing? You're frightening me, and you shouldn't be doing that. You look stupid or whatever. You know, this denial thing. So it's funny, isn't it? Tell us about your book. You can't confront the reality. Yes, the book is called uh, Keep Calm and Trust the Science. Gil very graciously asked me to write it, which is nice. So Sa- you've written Sarah the Liddy. book while also guiding us all through a pandemic. Well, it was inter- Sarah in uh, Gil, my great pal, who's commissioned all my books, and she's a fantastic editor. You know, she said, well, I do the book. And I said, well, look, I'm busy. And they said, have you got a diary? Anyone anyway, I did. I was keeping a diary more than I would normally because mm-hmm. I knew. I have my work diary and my schedule, but I was putting little notes in here and there. So it didn't take that much to write it, really. It's like, it is actually like, like like a teenager, you know, writing out your diary. Yeah. And then I began writing it, and then I'd finished it in April. And then that's when I submitted it. So it ends in the middle of April. And I could do a little epilogue about four weeks ago for the, before it went to the printers. So it is kind of up to date. But, uh, but it's just the, the story of what happened, really, in a sense. And then it describes the science of the virus, because I had all my notes from... Pat Kenny and so on so it was easy enough to write the science part and then my lab and the work we're doing 
and we were working on Cove and what that was like and then just bits about my life which unnerves me Steph because I'm revealed personal information and I'm, I read the proofs oh god did I really write that about myself? You know, I feel a bit, it's, it's a bit squeamish. Anyway. I'm so excited. It's my own, uh, see me mother-in-law in the nursing home, things like that. Oh. I got permission of all these people, by the way. Yes, okay. You get a couple of mentions yourself, I must say. Oh, yeah. Well, I describe everything I'm doing, you see. So. And we do And then the lot. media stuff. I, I write about that a bit and what was going so on Do you there. talk about the people who tried to kill you? Of course. I, I quote from them. I, I list about... Uh, 10 nasty emails or letters and 10 nice ones isn't that good just that's a nice balance, balance. There. oh well, look it's all part of it and the trolling that? and all that kind of thing but the, I'd say it's not remember it's 90% positive so that was fine at any point were you like personally in danger well I was assaulted on Grafton Street as you may remember by I an anti yeah. Uh my wife the lowest point was that wasn't about me it's my wife had five messages on her answer phone at work saying we're going to kill your husband oh my god I had constant uh, emails uh, saying Nuremberg trial coming up you're next O'Neill this kind of, you can block them all yeah they get in once you know, <laughs> you can block them all. Um, no I, I, I mean uh, the guards had to advise us in the building because there's not just me there's Kingston Mills and yeah. all the famous immunologists they're all na- names now uh, we're all getting threats so they came to see us the guards and they were very good and they said no no I wouldn't be too concerned we know who they all are they're unlikely to assault you this kind of thing you know so, but then there is a risk though and I have to keep keep my guard up basically you know and I had, had security for about a month in Trinity like with me bodyguards a bodyguard what was that like that was great because he was a lovely fellow called Jer who was in ex-Irish army and he says to me oh Luke uh, the wife is calling me Kevin Costner <laughs> <laughs> So and so great. he just walked with you like to, yeah. to news talk? Yeah, if I walked up to news talk or was going out, outside, he, he'd come with me. I could and ring him actually any time. And, and did he ever have to actually intervene? He did, actually. Oh my God. Well, the first morning we walk up to news talk together, right? And I got slightly ahead of it. He was very discreet, you see. So yeah. And I turned around the corner into Diggs Lane and I kicked over. There was a pint glass and it smashed. He comes barreling. Oh, Luke. He, he thought I was being glassed. <laughs> but there was one incident when I'm walking back from news talk one morning and a guy on a bicycle got up on the pavement and began running towards me shouting my name <laughs> yeah. and he stood in front of me Jer like that you is know? he a big yeah. lad and he said you need to move on he says, and the guy legged it that's good yeah now whether the guy would have hit me with his bike but he was shouting ah, you're a vaccine guy you know this kind of thing so that, that was the one at least it's, 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 at least something happened at, so least, to, at least you were useful yeah, yeah you are useful and my friends found this highly amusing uh, where is he with you now? Is he over there? <laughs> you never came with you here. You're safe. No, I didn't. That one minute walk wasn't too dangerous. There, so it's and uh, so the book's coming out on the 29th of October. That's yep. very exciting. So this podcast is going to go out next week. So the, the Tuesday you're hearing this, it's going to be like another week until That's the book right. comes out. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, uh, and a, a note to people, if you're planning on buying Luke's book, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's definitely something I'll buy. Buy it on the first week because it's the first week that can get something like to go onto the bestseller list. So we're on having a concerted effort now to buy Luke's book on the first week, the 29th of October. If Thank you, can. Stephanie. But from, it that way. from right. an Irish bookshop, right? Yeah, because right. if you buy it online, it doesn't count. I don't know if you buy it in Eason's, does it count? I think it does. Yeah, I think yeah, it does. Yeah. Think okay. Does. So like, do, but Dubray Books, independent booksellers, yep. go for it. Buy the book on the first week. We'll get it to number one. Let's get it to number let's one. Let's get it to number one. It's <laughs> like plugging a record in it's, the old days. <laughs> but it, I think people do, they don't know that that's how that's it works. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So we're not doing the launch actually because given COVID. COVID times and, and you know, it's a bit tricky to do a launch. So we're not actually doing an official launch. I'm going to be, um, Pat gets dibs at the first long interview because he's me mate and obviously there's a lot of stuff about him in the book. So on the yeah. morning of the 29th, we're doing a big interview with Pat just to describe what's in the book, book. in detail and so on. But yeah, good Christmas gift. When you think stocking filler, yeah, I think. Stocking filler, just 
just so people can and I actually think it's something to keep for posterity because this is definitely going to be something that you will want to be able to tell mm. your children and grandchildren about and be yeah. able to chart it day by day Well there were two great editors in Gill yeah. they were brilliant Evine was one of them for example and she was saying this is actually a historical document Yeah, and she said uh, now my fear is people are so sick of COVID it's the last thing you'd want to buy as a book about COVID you don't have to read it right now but buy it right now buy it in the future yeah I'll read in the future but she said no no she said it'll probably sell but at, at any event it's good to have it because you've got a, we've got a history of this in Ireland so she says to me it'll be on the leave insert like Peg it will oh my god Peg haunting people <laughs> for right. ages it'll be on the leave insert eventually he said uh, modestly uh, I don't think so but, but she said no that the history because it's very accurate I made sure the science was as best I could 100% accurate you see so it's a scientific story not in, done in a way that's accessible of course to people So, like uh, all of your stuff and if you haven't read Luke's other books I highly recommend Humanology I actually knew Luke before any of you knew Luke because I found it's Humanology true. it's true um, that's right <laughs> and then uh, a kid's book called The Irish The Great Irish the great Science, Irish book. science yeah, book and that's then another one. Never Mind the Bollocks Here's never the Science the and I've got a bit of news there that's come out in the UK now in paperback Oh fab And I, I was on Radio back. 5 Live being into My first British. entry into the UK media did world Did you do it in person? No we did it on Zoom On Zoom uh, I've got a few interviews coming up actually in the UK on, on Nevermind the Bollocks because the paperbacks come out I want a paperback version Absolutely I I'll, find I'll, it difficult to read hardback yeah, books I'll make sure I get your paperback um, Thank you so much Anything else we need to know? Uh, I think the next Well it's the October 22nd Let's see Now I'm devastated to have no wedding questions Because that's what we're worried about Right, and honestly, because lots of people, there's loads of weddings in November, December. Yeah. In anticipation of free for all stuff. And now they're they're anxious. They're saying, oh God, is it going to happen? What are we going to do? I feel like the government will, will now this is based on nothing, just so you all know, but I feel like they will open for vaccinated people. I think so. They have to. Because why wouldn't you? If you don't open now, you're never going to open. You know, and it would be a good sign. And then it it might incentivize people to take up the vaccine. So I'd be very supportive of that. I think that's the thing to do. Yeah. Okay, Luke, we'll let you get to your lecture. You've got 20 minutes. Great. Thank you very much, Stephanie. Who Always are you lecturing? I'm lecturing the MSC uh, uh, class in Im- immunotherapeutics, it's called. Very relevant. <laughs> are they like, oh my God, our lecturer's a rock star? Well, I hope not. That's the one thing you don't want in a lecture. Well, they definitely, I think you're you're famous immunologist now. Right. Yeah. It took it's a in, pandemic. It, it's in a huge lecture theatre. Uh, they're all 10 seats apart wearing their masks. It'll be a bit sterile as a lecture goes, but it is in person. Well, at least it's in person. Which is good, you know. Okay. Enjoy. Thank you so much, Luke. And thank you for listening to another episode of Basically. I'm sure you enjoyed it. Luke is always a top hit. We are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Our music is by Only Ruin and our graphic design is by Carlo Gara. And we are produced by Alan Bennett on our sound desk and part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. See you next week. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.